all got we all got something out of that. Just like when a twenty two year old comes to your house to sell you weed when you're fourteen. <laughs> they came to your house. I had to go to their house. They're like studio apartment. Uh, I mean, that's my teenage drug dealer thing wasn't even that. My teenage drug dealer thing was, I told you about Jamaican Jerry, right, Griffin? No. Okay, so. I think I remember. Okay, so there were two ways that I bought drugs, three ways I bought drugs in high school. One was for my friends, sometimes. The other two were if you went to a shake, uh, uh, yeah, like a smoothie place called Robex and ordered a triple Mm -hmm. mango and handed Ramon $45, he would just keep the change and there'd just be a vacuum sealed eighth at the bottom of your smoothie. Oh, <laughs> that's just I want to do that now. Yeah, like, like that's a better delivery mechanism than what I'm receiving now at these weed stores. It was awesome. But the real crazy one was Jamaican Jerry, who was this old black dude who drove around in a big car. And in his back in the back of his car was a garbage bag filled with weed of totally random quality, ranging from like instant headache and stomach ache and it doesn't get you high to like pure fucking crystally dozier and it was a fully random toss-up and probably half the time you'd be like can i get a bag and he'd be like 40 and hand him 40 and then he would like gesture to the back seat and one of his drive chil- off and one of his children <laughs> in the back seat would reach into the bag of weed pull out a handful or two throw oh, it in a bag the, zip the lock story it got way less fun when you. you mentioned the children they're having a great time <laughs> oh this this story was like peaking and then that just plummeted no they were loving it and no jimmy sure. he, lux was providing for jamaican jerry's children he was doing them a mikvah uh, yeah that's actually true yeah what am i who am i to say yeah they were having a judge? great time mm-hmm. you know i used to ride on the back of my dad's newspaper truck when he would deliver what's the difference yeah i mean they weren't even in the back they were fully inside <laughs> so in a lot of ways they had it better and i was smoking the newspaper and getting high off it so yes. yeah yeah you get yeah. your essential inks. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah, that's what you need. That's the only real yeah. way that the best value, best bang for your buck when it comes to the New York Times. Um, <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. Did, did you what guys a, do you guys see the CIA video? Yes, what, that's no, the what one. CIA video? Oh, it's so good. It's a woke <laughs> CIA video. It's uh, they were like, oh, please support I've been hearing about women of day. color and trans people here at the CIA. You too. You too <laughs> will get an opportunity to coup Chile. To, you know, you too will get an opportunity to assassinate Allende. You know, it's that old <laughs> Simpsons joke. It's told from the perspective of like a like, yeah, like a a, a woman who is, a, you know, a, a cisgendered millennial, as she says, um, and a, you know, um, a, a BIPOC who's like, yeah, and I work at the CIA and uh, no one helped me get here. And the CIA loves uh, that. Um, and, and I, really, it was it was. Let's just admit, it was bait. It yeah. was bait for everyone involved. Oh, totally. Look, the Watchmen show, the HBO Watchmen show was all about how we, how that black female cop should have Dr. Manhattan powers. And that's mm-hmm. what the CIA is about as well. That's what the yeah. new CIA is about. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's so funny to me because it is bait in all directions, right? Because it's like right wing people are like, you know, look at the woke CIA. Right. Yeah. And then like yeah. leftist people are like, they're still the CIA. Yeah. And then centrist mm-hmm. people are like, we love the CIA, but we loved them yeah. before. And we love them now. Yeah. yeah. Anti SJW people are like, this is exactly like Lola Bunny. And then, <laughs> and, and, and then, you know, like, uh, and then other people, I guess, 
like who understand why the CIA is bad, like should just understand that this was like created psychically to to hurt your brain. Like, like, and that's it. Oh, yeah. it it's like psychic warfare. Oh, yeah, it's you know? uh, talking uh, about psychic warfare, you missed out on the other take, which is the Greenwald take, which is that the left power has metastasized and now the CIA is a left wing organization. Uh, <laughs> that's also what Michael Tracy was saying. The only degree to which that's true is that a certain degree of like, quote unquote, American left central liberals think interventions are good, but that's because they're not actually left. They're just psychos. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we're, we're about to record a new trailer for the CIA for, for gamers. You know, it's just like <laughs> a little bit of inspirational music playing. And it's just like, you know, I, 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 I check I check my inventory in my game, but I also check the inventory of my fridge when I make sandwiches for my kids. And I check the inventory of every flight goer who checks off a box on a special list that we keep in my office. <laughs> Uh, welcome to the CIA. My name is at BrickSmash69. <laughs> um, yeah, man, the, it's it's fucking wild. Today's had some wild stuff because also Bill and Melinda Gates are getting divorced. They are getting divorced. I can finally yeah. uh, cure Bill Gates's problems with my magical penis. Hey, congratulations. Yeah. I figure the issue is that he like wouldn't give up the IP to like changing the thermostat. I imagine Bill Gates is just like a shitty Tim Allen dad, I guess. He, he makes the same sounds. Yeah. She was like, Bill, maybe you should give medicine to the third world. And he was like, Bruh! yeah, yeah. In, in, India is like, we have a lot of factories here. And he's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> It's very racist. And then uh, Wilson walks over, and then someone, fucking Steve Wozniak, sticks his head over the fence and is like, you know, making vaccines in the third world is like making love to a woman. Is Steve Wozniak bad? I don't know. I was trying to think of a Bill Gates adjacent guy who could be Wilson. Well, I feel like Steve Woz's. saw the evil and got out. But I feel he's still like Wozniak was like. Yeah, and he's also Apple, right? Yeah, he's Apple. Uh, who's the. Steve Ballmer like is the. And he's oh, also yeah. a psycho. <laughs> Also, He's Steve Ballmer's way more likely to compare yeah. anything to making love to a woman. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like Waz probably got out on stock options or something like that, and like still does computer stuff. But I feel like he saw like the evil and like was like, nah, I'll just be like normal rich. Right. Well, there's like a calculation these people make where it's like I could be movie evil, but also movie evil rich, or I could be mm -hmm. regular rich and sort of standard sort of bell curve evil. Um, and I'd rather be that and not have the scrutiny and like ethical compunctions. And then only those who are like, I'll take all the scrutiny and all the ethical conflict and just give me the papers so I can buy 50 boats. Um, yeah. and yeah. Wozniak seemed to take the like more conservative tact. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Wozniak, I respect him infinitely, uh, because he hooked up with Kathy Griffin, which is super hot and she's my ideal woman Hell yeah! Uh, as a gay man. <laughs> remember when she like had to apologize for cutting off trump's head yeah for doing the fake trump uh effigy i'm so bummed that anyone fell for that and was like yeah she should feel that was too much they made her cry poor terrible andy cohen made her cry <laughs> andy that cohen right? that bastard that asshole. manipulative bastard talk about a pimp Talk about like a guy who makes his money exclusively off of the hardship and suffering of over medicated women. You know, that's uh, like what a fucking 
evil uh, person. J- just like uh, it's that Stanhope joke about Oprah, how, you know, no, it's that Bill Burr joke about Oprah, which uh, Oprah, for the first part of it, was like Jerry Springer, like sideshow act stuff. And Bill Burr says, look, she stood on the heads of those little people, okay? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, oh, God, it's it's deeply true. Oh, gross. Oh, well, look, yeah. at least... At least someone pretended to cut Trump, uh, cut Trump's head off, even if they had to get yelled else, for it. We're nine minutes in. Is there anyone else evil to mention from the last 15 years before we say what the show is called? Uh, well, we Obligatory Bill Henry Gates. Kissinger. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. Kissinger. Um, I mm-hmm. want to say I want to say uh, Johnny Cash, actually, um, because um, yeah. really, fuck Johnny. Sinks. No, he nearly wiped out the California condor, um, which is something that I truly hate. He started an accidental fire that burned thousands of hectares of forest in the California in California, uh, killing 49 California condors. And how did he how did he start it? Um, he alleges that uh, it was sparks from his camper. Uh, but the person who was with him at the time said he was drunk and carelessly started a fire. Uh, so I believe the and- person <laughs> when questioned about it, uh, he said, I don't care about your yellow buzzards. And wow. uh, yeah, that's why Johnny Cash. I love his Should music be to death by buzzards, yeah. sort of like in the Greek myth way. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> the uh, the gay man with the magical penis and the Johnny Cash facts that you are hearing right now is our friend Alex Hood, a.k.a. at Jack Dump on Twitter. That's our guest. And you're listening to the Game Boys podcast, we got to the intro within, what, 12 minutes? That's pretty good. That's um, I'm one of your hosts. My name is Lux. I'm Griffin, and we're joined, as always, by producer extraordinaire Haley. On the whoa, 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 ones and twos. And as I said, our friend, cartoonist, satirist, music man, lawyer, Alex Hood. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Whoa. Thank you. It's always great to be here. Um, and it's fun to be. Uh, the last time I was on the show was a year ago. And you guys were on our show talking about Pokemon Snap. And so funny enough, that appears to be the subject for today since it oh, just yeah. came out. And it's a wonderful, incredible game. And I have a lot yeah. to say about it. Yeah, it's I'm excited to fucking get into it. Um, but first, yeah, it's like it's weird because we talk we, we talk about Pokemon Snap like all the time, like every year. And so it's wild that it, it is finally here. <laughs> yeah. And it's really everything that I wanted. They didn't uh, they didn't do the thing where we're adding like a bunch of new shit that totally changes the experience of the game. It's still the same fundamental basic experience, uh, but with, you know, just more, which is exactly what I wanted. Yeah, and you get to get out of the car and kiss the Pokemon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I haven't gotten to re- I haven't gotten any of my think tracks to research level four yet, but I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. What Lux, were you saying before that? Oh, I was going to say, do we want to get straight into it, uh, or do we want to uh, poke around at some random other topics before we do our main dive? Do you have any other video game topic? I don't know what else is going on. Um, I started Returnal. Oh, let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about mm-hmm. that for a second. Um, a little bit of hot weekend uh, week that uh, weekend updates. Uh, well, here's so here's the deal with Returnal. Uh, it's just do it. It's good. It's fun. I like it. Um, you get to have cool powers. The ambient ambiance is cool. It's like not. It's like shootery, but it's not the hardest shooter in the world. It is people like hard. It's very hard. It's hard. Yeah, people are saying it's super hard. But the shooting is not the hard part. Oh, 
um, there's like puzzle solving and jumping and very difficult bosses and your HP goes down, you lose stuff all the time and it's, you get ambushed and all kinds of tricky things happen to you. Um, but the shooting is like relatively doable. So to me, that makes it a lot more fun because I suck at shooting stuff. Um, but I really like it, but it's just sparking the debate that we have every six to eight months of like, should every game have an easy mode? Hmm. Um, a, a debate that like I don't have like a firm position on because I think it's a complicated question, but like it just keeps coming up and it's like, oh, again with the easy modes. It's just a bit just on our like art by art basis, in my opinion. Like, I think that there shouldn't be one. And if it's like if it, that's your vision, but if you're making like a big game that you want everyone to play, like Kingdom Hearts should have a bunch of different modes to it. You know, there's, yeah. it, it's just like what, what like how do you want your art to be consumed and like making easy modes does like widen the platform. Um, but it's it's up to you. Yeah, it's yeah. context based. It's like um, mm -hmm. especially if your game is aimed at children, too. It's like there's no reason for you not to have an easy mode. There's no read to make the game as accessible as possible. And the other good thing about many modes is you get many more different speedruns categories so i think that's uh that is an option but you know like uh griffin said you know it would be like dark souls would be a totally different game if there was a, an easier mode in it i mean i guess there's right. a harder mode with new game plus but you know but that's like the that's like the hinge of the conversation is like is it good to make art like dark souls type art that certain people just can't play because it's too hard um, I think it's fine because I don't think all arts ever for everybody. But 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 it's only it's only they only can't play it because they refuse to learn or refuse to go through the experience of learning it. And so it's like to me, it's just like oh, if if there was a really complicated or hard to process film or book. <laughs> That it's like, okay, do you want to do the work to read it and figure it out or not? I think the meaningful distinction and what makes this like a slightly more interesting conversation than the versions of this that exist for films is that like you can have people who have like brain problems that make them have slower quick twitch reflexes or have, you know, their hands have been slammed in hundreds of doors. That's why they go tank. <laughs> and, and I think that's a thing of accessibility, probably, right? right like accessibility that's, settings. That's the discussion, right? Is like easy mode is an access question in that way. Uh, to, but to isn't there accessibility things to like make the, to have the same difficulty, but have it just be more accessible? Uh, they, that or resolves accessibility some, but not, about like, that know, resolves some, but not yeah. all the problems. That's what, I ultimately think I agree with you that like I, not all art is no art is for everybody. And it sucks that some really good art's not accessible to some people for things that they can't help. But that's also true with lots of other stuff. Yeah. Um, this reminds I, me of subs versus dubs, where there is a legitimate question of accessibility, because some people actually can't read uh, subtitles uh, that flash across the screen, either because, it, you know, it hurts their eyes or because it genuinely distracts from uh, they, they don't have the type of brain that can do the same thing at the same time. So I, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I do think uh, I, I but uh, ultimately, I think sometimes in order to pursue a vision, you're going to have to do something that does alienate people on a fundamental level um, and that they're never going to be able to access. And it's, you know, sad that some people won't be able to access Dark Souls, but um, uh, and see its beauty. But the game wouldn't be as powerful or as th thematically coherent if it had. The point of Dark Souls is its uh, difficulty. The point is right. you have to persevere and lose over and over again. Otherwise, just the theme of the game is uh, totally abandoned. Yeah, I think that's I think that that's right. Because it, it, it's like a, it's also a mechanical experiment about like minimizing the degree the character grows and maximizing the degree the player grows, stuff like that. 
Um, and that's why I ultimately tend to agree. It's just a bummer when people are like, well, is it good to make art that it except that it like specifically excludes these types of people? And it's like, no, it's not like a good thing to do, but it is like an inevitability to a certain degree. And it's like probably worth it to have art like that in the world, assuming that there is other art that exists that does like account for those people, uh, yeah. which there is. But like it is an interesting it's just, it's just like interesting that this conversation comes up every time like a new yeah. Dark Souls or Returnal or whatever comes out like the new super hard fun game. But like you say know. all visual art alienates the blind. It's that but that doesn't mean we should stop doing visual art, you know? Yeah, totally. That's why ultimately I think that it like it's just so subdivided and it's like basically what people the argument becomes like, but I want to play it. And it's like, totally, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um I want to listen to certain kinds of music that I can't because of my tinnitus. Like I'm that sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it's just, that's the world we live in. Um, and like, we should make a more accessible world for everybody, but that doesn't mean everything has to be equally accessible to everybody. Um, and that's more to know, learn. You're, that's more, more to know, you- learn the classic <laughs> phrase that we always say. <laughs> Normal <laughs> sentence. And I also want to say to all the haters online who have been clamoring and begging and needling for an easy mode of the Game Boys podcast, um, get good, scrub. Yeah. Uh, so um, you mentioning difficulty level like is a nice segue to a little game I've been playing uh, called It Takes Two. Oh, you're um, still on that, John. Which is this co-op game. Yes. Have you beat it, Lux? I still haven't gotten a second controller. So no. Uh, OK, so, well, because I play it on PC, someone uses the keyboard and then I plug a controller in as well. Um, and so we're doing keyboard and controller side by side. Um, but uh, it is a really interesting game because this is a game that's like, oh, finally a game that you can kind of play with someone who maybe isn't a super gamer, right? Someone who doesn't own a console. Maybe, you know, it's like, oh, I can play with my girlfriend or I can play with my brother or something like that. Both of which I did. I played with my girlfriend and I played with my brother. Um, and this game is has so many ideas going on with it and so many fun mechanics and it's entirely too hard. Uh, It was (laughs) miserable to play with my brother and my girlfriend because I was having to drag them through these incredibly challenging platforming parts. But the game's narrative is the most baby drivel shit I've ever seen. So I'm like, who is this game for? Like, it's like a hardcore platformer, but it's like designed and everything about it assumes that like you would play this with a child. It, is that, <laughs> but it's very hard. It seems like it's one of those games designed to be frustrating though, right? It's one of those games where the point is you're, you get ang- like Monopoly or something. Like the fun is getting angry at the people you're playing it with a little bit it's about communicating yeah like working together as a team because each room is kind of like puzzle mechanics and stuff like that um and i wouldn't say they're like insanely hard puzzles even but i I just am like shocked that this game doesn't have a difficulty setting Mm. um because like these bosses are incredibly demanding um it's that's really funny to me because it feels like what the game's trying to do is have it be like these are challenging puzzles that when you beat them you and the person you're playing with can be like, we did it um, in like a sort of Dark Souls adjacent, like triumphant way. 
Um, but what it actually does, it sounds like, is just like make everyone mad at each other and they don't get to get the reward. Um, right. And, 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 and so it's like, it's, it's really bizarre though, because every, every different world you go to, you get a different set of powers and, and the screen is split. So each character gets a different power. So, which is kind of cool. Um, and, and in each world, that power is like really interesting, really satisfying to use and really fun. Um, but yeah, it did turn into like like me and my girlfriend being in a really bad mood together and then like me and my brother being in a really bad mood together yeah, yeah. and i was like damn um but uh it's like uh it's really pretty and and i think if it was a little bit more accessible i think it would have been, it would have been super cool um but the story complete trash um it thinks it's pixar you're no pixar you're no Pixar. I'm sorry. I'll say this. Hot take. <laughs> you can't make me cry. I, even if it was Pixar, I would be mad at it because I'm so done with Pixar. I'm done with Pixar too, you're, but this is like, yeah, like, yeah. Why terrible. are you done with Pixar? I'm very interested. I'm very curious as to why every you're done Pixar, with Pixar movie. Every Pixar like, movie. What if your thought was a feeling and was also a girl? Well, also, it's like well, every Pixar movie is <laughs> like. There's what they are these days. We live in a world. Makes me cry. (laughs) (laughs) Inside Out is one of the worst ones. I love that one. They're all effective at like emotional manipulation. But the problem is that every one of them is the same thing, which is like we live in a world and that world has rules. But there's some plucky idiot who breaks the rules. And then they have Mm -hmm. to go on a very similarly structured journey every time. Learn that actually breaking the rules is the good thing. And then they come home and save the day because of their weird flaw. Which is like fine. That's like very generic storytelling, but it's like it's very boring how it hits all the same rhythmic beats every time. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's like I just watched Mitchell's the Mitchells versus the Machines because we, I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. I'm sorry. Oh. I saw the trailer and I was like, I know this whole movie. It rules. Um, it's good. Yeah. It's oh, awesome. okay. The animation. The animation's incredible. The story's a little saccharine for sure. I mean, that's the kind of movie it is. The story just looked a little like we're kind of a wacky family. Like, it, and I just don't know. It is, but it like. It goes a little deeper into that than just like we're wacky. It's like we're wacky and our wackiness alienates us from each other. Like it both yeah, connects okay. and separates us in a way that is like pretty I'll watch it. good. I really I really liked it a lot. The ending's a little saccharine, but like that at least like it wasn't just like, oh, my weirdo ability that makes me an outcast actually saves the day at the end. It was like a bunch of different things added up over the course of the movie to save the day at the end. And though they play into the things they don't play into the special secret powers. They play into like the roots of why those characters have those special secret ideas or powers or like inclinations yeah. or whatever. So, so with Inside uh, Out, Sadness is the one whose special ability gives her the uh, the ability to resolve the Bing Bong problem, essentially. But I I do think I lo- <laughs> I do love the message of Inside Out, which I I think is. Great, because I've never seen it articulated in a kid's movie before about the utility of sadness and the utility of commiseration. I 100% 100 agree with you. It's not like my problem isn't like with these movies like Inside Out and Soul. They have incredibly interesting messages. Like, I think that you nailed the message of Inside Out perfectly. I think the message of Soul is that life isn't about achieving one goal, but life is meaningful by all the tiny moments that make up your life. I think those are two like incredible ideas. The problem is with these Pixar films is that they're like, what if the theme is the character and every scene, they are just ramming you over the head with the theme. Theme is not plot. Theme is not character. Mm -hmm. Theme theme permeates your story. And and I think the problem is, is they've gotten so literal and up their own asses that I'm just like, 
I'm not along for the journey. The journey isn't fun because they're just hitting me over the head with it. Okay, and the plot's I, like, I, the plot's well, like given away in the first five seconds of every Pixar movie because like yeah. someone yes. shows up and they're like, I'm doing my weird thing. And then someone's like, don't do that. And then you just know the end of the movie is going to be like, everyone has a problem. And they're like, oh, we did the thing. And it's like, oh, you saved us. Yeah, that's a funny Griffin. The Griffin point that it lacks character, because even using Inside Out as an example, um, all the all of the main characters, the point is they have one character trait. That's <laughs> yes. the point. Yes, they have one. Bit, <laughs> right. So Yeah, uh, not uh, not a lot is spent on that. And, you know. The messages of Incredibles 1 is fucked up. Incredibles 2 is interesting. Uh, it's got an interesting villain in it. Uh, I like that. Mm-hmm. But, you yeah. know, secretly, you know what the secret best Pixar movie is? Go for it. Oh, what uh, do you think I'm going to say? OK, I'm going to say uh, you're going to say Cars 2. I think you're going <laughs> to say the like straight to DVD uh, to Toy Story spinoff about the aliens. No, I am going to say uh, Bugs Life. I think Bugs Life, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 is I, really good, and it it has characters. Unlike the other, like everyone has their own motivations. Everyone in the Seven Samurai troop of Bug, like Dennis Leary is the uh, is the sensitive ladybug, and David Hyde Pierce is the foppish stick bug, and Kevin Spacey's the pedophile. Yes. I knew you were becoming a tanky. You told me off <laughs> offline that you were becoming a tanky. Of course, but, Bugs Life. Yeah, that's um, what it's about. It's and revolution. And Bugs Life also isn't a bunch will get kicked out because they have access to a super special thing. And so they go on an adventure and like learn important lessons that they bring back. Yes. And also it's about characters in like a in like a world as opposed to like the main character is sorrow. Like it's just like <laughs> I just I'm a little like uh, over that. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I think we have I think we have all come to a, some sort of agreement on Pixar. Yeah. Um, it takes two has some problems <laughs> returnal um it's really fun you know it's fun but is it 70 dollars um i don't know because i get to charge a lot of that kind of stuff to work um, last question how about the controller <laughs> i hear it uses the controller well yeah oh it does m- it does might be might be worth the price of admission alone it does there's i mean i'm not because i'm not good at the game i am not that far i'm not unlocked all the things you can do but you it does have like like the gradient trigger things where like you can put the trigger a certain amount to do certain things it plays with that a lot the haptic feedback is really fun the way it mixes up the control the control sticks is very fun um it really does do all like it uses all the features that are like built into the the ps5 controller in a way that is like oh we're doing it now like it's the that's the that's the thing about it right like the the big the capital b capital g big thing or capital b capital t rather is like it's the first PS5 exclusive that feels like it was a game to, made to be played on the PS5 besides like Astro's Playroom. Like yeah. every other PS5 game is great on the PS5, but it would also be probably really fun on the PlayStation 4 or on an Xbox totally. or whatever. Um, but this one really feels like this is a PS5 game. This game was made with the PS5 in mind. Sort uh, of a re- returnal to form. A real yeah. returnal to form. Uh, so before we get to our main subject, Alex, uh, Alex, have you been playing anything super interesting lately aside from our main subject? Uh, well, I'm always playing uh, Dark Souls, which is why I brought it up, because I picked it up at the beginning of the pandemic and uh, specifically the first game. I have played the other games, but it's really the first one that got its hooks into me because I believe it has. I, don't, I, don't, I just relate to it so hard because it sort of captures the experience that everybody is going through right now, because the premise of the initial Dark Souls and the rest of the Dark Souls is that. You're at the end of an empire 
And the fact that the empire is ending and the emperors are weak and the Lord souls get weaker and weaker means that all of the inhabitants of the empire are going insane and they're losing their grip on reality. And the line between past and future and life and death becomes totally blurred. And I feel like with the pandemic and the fact that we are in this, you know, constant, slow state of declining late stage capitalism, like the fact that you like wins waning power is an absolute uh, uh, great analogy for the the waning power of uh, America and, and, you know, Western capitalism. And so playing Dark Souls and especially like the first one, too, which through its Ludo narrative um, is all about class. You see how the class structure of the world of Lordran works. First, you go into the suburbs of the undead burg, you ascend to the top of the cathedral, and then you go down to Blighttown, where you see all these people living amongst the sewage. And, you, you know, you, you don't get an idea of what their roles were in society, but just through the Ludo narrative and through, like, the, uh, how they're mutated, you get this idea that, you know, these people were, like, in the lower classes of society. It, it communicates the class structure of Lordran through the vertical... Uh, integrated level structure. And I think it's just so fascinating that way. Yeah, man. One day we should get you and a frequent guest on the podcast, Rory, to talk about this because Rory messaged me like a week ago to be like, I just really like we should talk about more about how Dark Souls is about Mark Fisher's capitalist realism and like the idea of hauntology. Um, it's it's like high rise. The original Dark Souls is very much like high rise and it's a very easy uh, analogy for uh, class structure. It's a and only then if I get to do a follow up where we talk about how Bloodborne is about uh, how the amygdalas are a metaphor for Ayn Rand. <laughs> yeah. Wait, did you say the amygdalas like the family or like did you say amygdala like the brain part wrong? The the big monsters. What the boss's name is amygdala. Oh or yeah, okay. And it's got the long stretchy arms and the big bug face. For some mm-hmm. reason, I thought you were referring to either the princess from the prequels or uh, the pleasure center of the brain. <laughs> They're named mm, after what? the pleasure center of the brain. Yeah. yeah but well, yeah, that actually relates to Ayn Rand because Ayn Rand, you know, talked about self-interest and, you know, what's more yes. self-interested than following the whims of the amygdala. I hadn't even made that connection. I just intuitively felt like they were the same. Uh, Griffin's, Griffin's philosophical approach is like, how did, what does my gut tell me about this yeah. text? That's the best I'm way. Throwing, I'm, sk- I'm skipping rocks on the ocean, man. Yeah, what's the, what's uh, the vibes here? <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, we got to have some sort of Dark Souls philosophy on, but, uh, at some point, I think that'd be really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I, 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 I think I'll, that's really interesting. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in Sekiro. Um, I, I think that, um, that will only probably continue in the George R. R. Martin game, which I bet oh, is going to yeah. come out, uh, in about a year and change or Man, so. I want to play Elden Ring, even I, though I always oh play God. four hours of From Software games, then bail because they're too hard for me and I'm not good at them but like man they keep on getting cool. more and more accessible though yeah Sekiro was pretty accessible I like Bloodborne Sekiro um I probably should revisit Bloodborne Dark Souls is the most accessible because Bloodborne is the easy like easier than Sekiro um but Sekiro is like the only game where you can like understand what the story was yeah uh, it's that classic did you ever see that H-Bomber guy video on why Bloodborne is great uh I'm not sure if I have but he Mm-mm. point he points out in it that Bloodborne teaches you how to play the game better because it teaches you that the best way to play the Souls games is aggressively, which uh, in the first Dark Souls game, that's not a thing because like the first weapon they give you is a shield. So it implies that you need to play defensively. 
Uh, uh, one of the design. first weapons in Bloodborne they give you is a broken shield to say there are no gods here. <laughs> <laughs> You're always in danger. Yeah. Um, and that's a yeah, point you make that I, I really like. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of danger. Yeah, speaking of danger, let's. Um, I'm so excited. Let's uh, fucking uh, let's 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 cue the music. Uh, this, I'm gonna put some music in here. Hell yeah! All right, do, it's do, the Pokemon do, Snap do, music. Do 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 do. <laughs> well, that's the old Pokemon Snap music. The new one is much lusher. Yeah, Actually, that's the only issue I have with it. I like the old music a little better, but. Uh, uh, what that are first you? song is a hit. They should have done a remix or something mm-hmm. of that first song. Yes. Um, but yeah, boys, we're here. We've been talking about this game probably every year since it originally came out for the N64. We're talking about uh, what it's lovingly official title, New Pokemon Snap. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Love it. I love it. It's yeah. lo- but they yeah. named this Shit. before with new Super Mario Bros, right? So this isn't yes. uh, out of their wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. But it is um, king shit. It's mm-hmm. it's funny. It's like they should call the Tom Holland ones new Spider Man. Like, <laughs> like, like it's so funny. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. That's what the Snyder Cut should have been it. called: New Justice League. The Snyder Cut. Yeah, New Justice League just dropped. <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 good. It's a, it's a, it's a great title, and we like it a lot. Honestly, I like it a lot more than Pokemon Snap Two. Is what I'll say. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, although it did give me trouble in the Twitch categories because I was looking for Pokemon Snap 2 for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize it was called New Pokemon Snap until I downloaded it. And then the little text came up on my like Switch and it was like, New Pokemon Snap downloaded. And I was uh-huh. like, oh, that's just what it's called. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so for anyone who doesn't know, um, Pokemon Snap originally came out for the Nintendo 64. It was uh, a game where for the first time you did not fight or capture Pokemon, but you simply went on a little bit of a lazy river through the worlds, taking photos of Pokemon and then rated on the framing and style and uh, size and position of those Pokemon. Um, it was, uh, for me, it was the moment where I was like, oh, like just getting to see Pokemon exist on their own in the world and just vibing was just like so different, so fresh. Um, and I know you guys probably feel very similar about that. Absolutely. And now all these years later, we have this, this sequel and I'm very curious, um, to, I wanted to hear from our guest first on uh, big takeaways after getting a few days to play with this thing. Uh, I was talking when me and Lux were chatting about this earlier, it, it's this amazing revelation I had you're on rails yet. Somehow this is more immersive than Pokemon sword and shield. Um, and totally. it's, I, I was trying to think about why that is, why I find this, why, why there's this quality of you have a lot of limited freedom in your movement, yet for some reason, this world seems real. Whereas in Sword and Shield, it feels very much like um, you see the numbers behind your little serotonin drip every time you level up or every time you go into uh, or there's this weird sparseness to Sword and Shield. There is an open world in Sword and Shield and you do technically see Pokemon walk around it, but they're walking around like robots. They're not living. They're not breathing. They're not existing with the other Pokemon in the world. It's all randomly generated. It's, It's honestly Sword and Shield was an embarrassing with that open world like they should have just kept it 2d because that 3d stuff was trash yes um whereas snap is like yo this pokemon just knocked into this pokemon now they're interacting now they're having a moment pokemon does not pokemon at least the original franchise does not benefit from realism it benefits from having a very limited graphical scope which is why i think that most people agree that i don't know actually diamond and pearl i believe diamond and especially um 
platinum. No, not platinum. No, it was platinum. What's the one with Giratina on the cover? Um, uh, it, it is platinum. I'm just going to yeah, say I think platinum. It is. So, uh, uh, yeah, the the fourth generation of games in Sinnoh, they're the most grindy. They're the most uh, long, but people generally agree that that's the best Pokemon generation that combined everything that was good about it. Um, and once you started, when, once the pressure got put on them to become more realistic or to have a more, quote unquote, immersive quality by bringing it into 3D, just a lot of the charm was lost. A lot of the suspension of disbelief was lost by making it more realistic, paradoxically. I think there's a way to do it, though, and they've just done it shitty. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you've got your like cell shaded, like you've got like your odd world looks or like cell damage looks or things like that, or even fucking Breath of the Wild um, are all things that don't do realism in a very strict sense, but do three-dimensional space and sort of three-dimensional physics and stuff like that in a way that's immersive and fun, but doesn't lose the kind of cartoonishness of things. Um, And I think that's like where Pokemon should want to go, but Mm -hmm. they seem reluctant to do so except for in Pokemon, in new Pokemon snap, which is like the exact sort of graphical and visual language that I crave from Mm -hmm. the mainline Pokemon games. Yes. uh, Yeah. Um, The Pokemon interacting, doing their little behaviors. um, You get to and and you get this very, you know, baby's first uh, uh, zoologist experience because very much what zoologists do are just like stake out a bunch of animals and just observe their behavior and take notes. And that's what you're doing in Pokemon Snap, essentially. So it gives you this this very, um, you know, uh, like. A guitar hero plastic baby guitar experience of what you know being a, a nature observer is like and i think that's you know really interesting and wholesome because it because i've seen lots of people get inspired actually by pokemon to pursue a career in biology or zoology the like that is their first uh introduction to the idea that oh the behavior of animals is really cool and we can know more about the world than ourselves by observing these creatures Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, that's a really totally. cool aspect. Whereas, you know, in the regular Pokemon, it's, you know, Michael Vickham. I, <laughs> Jesus I like I, I sign up for like a biology class and I'm like, yeah, I'm just trying to find jinx. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm hunting for jinx. Uh, yeah. um, well, OK, so here's a question for everyone. How how far is everyone in this game? Like how much stuff have you have you unlocked and discovered? Um, I, I've unlocked multiple layers of like all the way through the volcano area and the water area. Have you mm-hmm. gotten to the spooky forest? Yes. No, I haven't gotten to the spooky uh, forest. The spooky forest. I've been whips. to spooky forest. It's crazy. Oh, that's that's um, where I'm at. That's that's like my most recent unlock is the spooky forest. Oh, that's yeah, so cool. Yeah, I, I would just say like big before we get into specifics, my, my big takeaway is that I was worried that either the game wasn't going to be same enough and and like have the soul that it had before or that it was going to be a very small game and that they didn't have a big enough imagination. Both of those were wrong. Yeah, it's fucking huge. This game not only like understands what the soul of Pokemon Snap was, but modernizes it in the smartest ways um, in ways that make you want to invest long term into the game, into learning the levels and the Pokemon. Um, and it is just a very satisfying experience and probably one of the best games I've played on the Nintendo Switch. Oh, yeah. It's an instant classic for sure. It is 
in many ways, sort of my platonic ideal switch game, like noted obvious caveat that is not a tactical RPG. Um, (laughs) But like just because it's like it's a perfect game to like smoke weed, sit down and play for anywhere from 10 to 90 minutes, Mm -hmm. Um, just depending on how much you're vibing in a given moment. Um, and that you can play anywhere and that, you know, you only really have to be married to the game for like two minute segments at a time, which is a brilliant part of its gameplay as well. You don't you don't ever have to spend that long with it and you get a sense of development from it, which yeah, is very probably. cool. And a sense of achievement, because it's like I mean, so far, at least for me, I don't know if this is universally true, but like every run, I get at least one picture where I'm like, "Ooh, baby, that looks like that looks good. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, oh, I fucking I nailed that guy. That, I'm the that, fucking mm-hmm. Ansel Adams of the goddamn Lental region, bitches. And and, and and it feels good because sometimes, let's be honest, it's a little hard. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's hard to snap those good oh, ones. Yeah, the gameplay is so like the the slowness with which you rotate, which is the only movement option of the game, is so perfectly slow. It's like you're just almost getting there. You just almost, you cannot quite get there, and then you have to unzoom so you can get a better shot and then zoom in again. Uh, it's such a great mechanic. I love how they I love how they program that. I think yeah, it's, so it's, it's it's awesome. And it's like it it's really fun just because like, well, this this both gets to my like thing. My one frustration with the game, but also like what I love about it is that like it you get 70 fucking photos are run like it's mm-hmm. encouraging you to just fucking snap shit all the time. And yeah. just like if yeah. you see anything cool, take a fucking picture of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I love that. What I don't love is the way they grade the points for the pictures. Yeah. Just because, like, well, well, yeah, yeah, the ranking shit's confusing. Well, it's like, they even, should correspond to the rule of thirds, okay? Center frame <laughs> is bad. It's bad photography. Yeah. No movement, no narrative if it's in the center of the frame. Um, yeah. But, no, I mean, there's it's it's just that the rules that they enforce, in, like, incentivize sort of shitty pictures. Like, this happened to me today. Uh, I was playing it and I got this photo of like four Pelipers flying over the ocean where mm-hmm. like two Manteens jump below them and a Corsola that I'd hit with an apple is like singing in the foreground. <laughs> and I was like, this is beautiful. Like this is like yeah. Nat Geo cover type shit. I'm taking this to Blockbuster and I'm getting it printed. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And then I did it and it went and it was for some reason it was like a one star photo because of the way that they make the star thing happen. And it went up against. <laughs> they actually said negative stars and then and it they, went up they against- took away my camera <laughs> and the game, my switch exploded um, and then they put that up against a picture of like a, a sort of dutch angle full frame just the face of a pelipper and it like is a terrible photograph and, awesome and it was like this one the gross thing five thousand points your beautiful yeah. composed art piece eh, 2200 the too small like, yeah, too small, not center. Yeah. I mean, they're in one of the gnarliest predicaments a video game designer could be in, which is to try to teach a computer art. Yeah, oh yeah, I don't which think... Is like the, isn't that like a fundamental like philosophical question well, almost? Well, what's funny about it is it is just a rail shooter. They're basically using the same programming to determine what would be a good headshot, you know? Is it is it centered, you know, is it... Well, no, because that's so much simpler than what they are factoring in, which is not only that, but multiple layers of Pokemon um, and then like expressions and like the timing of the expression. It just seems such a more complicated <laughs> algorithm to me. Maybe yeah. not. No, I think it is. Oh, no, it's, it is more compli- the- it's more complicated, but it is like the basic idea of a rail shooter, but ex- expanded. Is, yeah. yeah. But then mm-hmm. it's just like 
that's my one frustration, right? Is that like, I, I, I'm not, this is a frustration that's like, why didn't they do it better? Cause like you said, like, this is like almost an impossible task, but it's like, it just, it's, I get frustrated. I'm like, man, I just fucking Roy, like just fucking like Ansel Adams, fucking Richard Avedon, this shit into perfection. And they're like, mm-hmm. no, the thing that looks like you dropped your camera and you're a bird actually is the money shot here. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. The way I justify that's, it, that's, you know, in game, I justify it by saying, look, these are these are research photographs. They're not supposed to be art. They're supposed to be for observing the behavior. So there might be in, in the logic of the game. This photograph is better for the research for some reason. And I'm just going to accept it because I'm very disappointed that they don't like my good photos. Hell yeah. I think the other thing about it is um, it's especially the fact that the the concept of something being on rails, but being more immersive than something which gives you freedom sort of gave me a lot of because we we have a pretty consistent on on my podcast, House of Decline. We call ourselves North America's foremost Calvinist podcast. And Mm -hmm. um, that's obviously a joke because Calvinism is the fucking worst, right? Yeah. So Calvinism, what do you know about Calvinism, Griffin? Um, he's one half of the Hobbs and duo. It's very true. It, um, he was named after, uh, he loves to John piss Delvin. on shit. He did love he to, to pee piss on, on shit. He, he loved to pee on shit, uh, specifically on pickup truck decals. But, uh, <laughs> he is named after, uh, the 17th century. Yeah. 17th century, uh, Protestant philosopher, John Calvin, who had an especially grim view of the world. Uh, he mm-hmm. believed that everything was preordained by God and only 12,000 people get into heaven. Um, so even if you are a Calvinist, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's this very brutal. And, you know, they're called. No, Cal- there's no vacancy in heaven yeah. is the idea. But I find this idea intriguing, especially because if I investigate, you know, my own feelings about the metaphysics of the universe, I kind of do end up, oh, no, we're all fated. You know, we have functional free will and I'm glad we do. Um, But I think that, no, we are on rails, not unlike Pokemon Snap. We are just on rails all the time. And all we can do Hmm. is sort of look at a new little angle each time we go through. But we can never really fundamentally change because I believe And obviously this is unscientific and, you know, this is not no one has to adopt this religion. This is just personally what I've come to in my metaphysical understanding of the universe. I really take the time as a flat circle thing very seriously. Everything repeats and it repeats the exact same way and we don't remember it. And people have articulated this as like the worst kind of hell imaginable. But to me, I think it's actually kind of neutral because people say, oh, you repeat all your mistakes again and you can't do anything about it. But you also get to see all your loved ones again and you get to uh, repeat all your successes as well. And this is sort of how I understand Calvinism, too. We're fa- only 12,000 people on this world will ever have the truly heavenly life. They'll have the life where they just have like a normal amount of trauma and they do good and are beloved. The rest of us sort of wallow in this uh, purgatory where our, our lives are tainted by our own inadequacy uh, or by just this trauma, that we, incredible trauma that we can't stop. Um, and obviously this isn't true, but this is sort of like my the, my metaphysical understanding. And Pokemon Snap has given me a lot to think about with this because because it, it's given me a more nuanced idea that like every level, especially like when you get to the end and unlocked everything, there's no there's nothing more to see. It's going to be the same experience every time you go through a level each time, except for the fact that 
you're always seeing something new. It's always a different angle. You might not be able to change the outcome of things once you repeat it, but you're able to see a different side of them, which sort of um, has given me a more nuanced view to my, my pseudo-Calvinism. And that's what I think is, you know, the really interesting philosophical precept to how something can be preordained like an on-rail shooter, yet somehow represent a greater freedom than a philosophy where you're given an infinite amount of choice. Um, so, yeah, that's how I would tie, you know, Pokemon Snap to my own uh, sort of uh, philosophical music, my own un terribly uninformed philosophical musings like guys like Lux actually read. I don't read. I just pick up stuff off of guys like Lux. I do love to read. Um, I'm reading a book about bug people right now. And then in six months, you'll be talking about bug people. Uh, I don't know much about Calvinism. What I would say in response to that, though, is that I think that there's certainly a way to look at Pokemon Snap as if your life is on rails, you still have the individual choice of what to focus on. If each Pokemon is a life moment, you know, you can't look left and right. You do have to decide how you what you want to look at and what you want to focus on in your life. So I would take something away from that about the being, life being an on rail shooter. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean. That's part of what makes Pokemon Snap so fucking good is that like every direction you face is like a choice with a cost. Like I yeah. have a very vivid memory of riding on my little Neo one through the volcano and out of the corner of my eye saw a slugma just like fall off of a lava waterfall, mm -hmm. like just plunge. And I was like, I can't restart. I've already gotten all these pictures. I have to go back through here with this specific moment in mind because mm -hmm. my choice to like come out of a turn and look left cost me this like moment of wonder. And what I got mm -hmm. for it was like some rocks. Oh, <laughs> but then like other times it's like, Oh, you make the right choice. You do nail the cool thing the first time through. And like that, it, it, that's part of the genius of this game is that like, it doesn't look like a game with choices and stakes in the way that we're used to with games. Cause in some ways it's not. But in some ways, it very, very much is like in some ways, it, like what like the situation I'm describing where like other stuff where it's like, oh, I, you know, I'm only have time to throw two fluffy fruits before the car turns. Like, where am I chucking these bad boys? Like those kind of questions are resource management, our game calculation, our strategy, our choice. They're just hidden inside of like. Oh, I'm going to take a picture of the cute little Charmander. He's doing a dance. Yeah. What seems like a casual game is is actually anything. It's but. hardcore. Yeah. Yeah, it's hardcore. Um, so I was worried about the amount of as as an old timer, I was worried about there not being enough of the old Pokemon and being too many next gen Pokemon. Um, from my experience so far, it is a nice blend of the two. There is some original Pokemon, but there is a decent amount of newer Pokemon. But I found myself to be less annoyed with these newer Pokemon when I got to just see them vibe and like live in their world. And it made me think a lot about how Pokemon, new Pokemon are introduced to me in the normal Pokemon games. Like when you see a new Pokemon in one of these new Pokemon games, it's just like a random encounter. And all of a sudden it's like, I'm a mailbox with a face. And I'm like, well, that's a stupid idea. <laughs> but like if I would like were to like drive by and Pokemon snap like a mailbox with a face, like vibing and living, I'd be like, that's a great Pokemon. Oh, is there an and urban so it's level? Like, no, no, I'm just saying like I, I, I this is a bad example, but I was just like, oh, like it's almost like the I would like these new Pokemon more if I just got to see how they like lived in a world. Uh, that's, that's not a bad example. Works. 
There is Clef yeah. Key, which is just a Pokemon who is a set of keys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is, or that one Pokemon whose name I forget, who's my favorite, who is a building. <laughs> uh, is that, are you talking we, about we, Duraludon? Uh, I think so, from Sword and Shield, the one yeah, that's he's a building. Yeah, skyscraper. Yeah. Yeah, he's literally, he's like the punchline to like a 40 hour joke. Yeah, he's, it's so fun. I fucking died when I saw it. But no, but we're getting it's like why Sword and Shield, for instance, I think works a lot better than other sort of later Pokemon games is that sort or not Sword and Shield. Sorry, uh, Sun and Moon is that because it has the Alolan Pokemon it they those Alolan Pokemon like have a flavor specific to the place. Right. Mm. And it gives you sort of a sense of them and a sense of place and sense of time and sense of things happening, what they do in their spare time. In a way that other Pokemon games, like you said, just don't give you because they're like random encounter with a Gargamel and it's just like a slug and it's yelling at you. And it's like, okay, great. Um, But Pokemon Snap is nothing but that. Geographic specificity. Absolutely. And like the designs that work best in uh, in Sword and Shield are the ones that are like the uh, most adherent to the region, like Corvanite or, or Yamper. Like, oh, it's a it's an electric corgi and we're in England. Of course, you know, that makes sense. Right. Uh, oh, it's a it's an it's a steel nightbird and we're in England, of course. Um, but then you'll get like I don't, I'm trying to think of like a new Pokemon. Like, what the fuck is Duraludon? What does that have to do with? Ah, <laughs> uh, you. Yeah. We got a lot of buildings here. It should have been the London Bridge. Yes, that's what it should have been. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, a Pokemon that's a bridge is not quite as great to me, but yeah. it's also really good. Give me more Pokemon that are urban infrastructure. Um, yeah, yeah I <laughs> snap. I don't know if you guys have talked. Joe, Joe Biden voice. Pokemon, that's infrastructure. <laughs> Pretty good. Listen um, here, Jack. When I was riding on Amtrak, that w- it was all Pokemon back in the day. We had it was powered by Electabuzzes. <laughs> and listen here. <laughs> used, used to compliment a clefable. Say their their ears look nice. Shouldn't <laughs> do that anymore. Should have said that. I knew. Back in the I day, knew that's where this was going. My um, best friend was a forty two year old Gyarados. He would come by the pool and it'd say, "Hey, listen, Jack. You know we don't we we can't get your kind around here. You know you got to go away." And he came back with his Gyarados brothers. <laughs> I'm, I'm slipping into Obama now. I, I mix them up. Yeah, Obama. I mean, honestly, so does Joe Biden. Um, <laughs> but like, so to get back to Snap for a quick second before we, we wrap things up, like I, one thing that I thought was so, so fun about it is I love the little glowy spheres, uh, the Illumina yeah. spheres, yeah. Yeah. Um, because I really like that they give you three ways to interact with Pokemon that all are different, or actually before, that all are different, all make sense, and all have different kind of linear outcomes. Or, but you, but they're not always like predictable, right? Like not yeah. every sleeping Pokemon wakes up when you play the flute. Some of them you yeah. have to hit with an apple. Some of them you have to hit with an Illumina ball. Uh, not every Pokemon chases an apple, but sometimes if you illuminate a Pokemon, it will run around towards you. Not every Pokemon uh, get does anything if you illuminate it, but if you play it a song, it'll react, et cetera, et cetera. And like, I really find it very fun sort of, but that's part of why it's so replayable is that like, okay, last time I went through here, I hit uh, this, you know, uh, whatever, like Dampha or whatever with uh, with a with a glowy ball and nothing happened. But what if I hit it with an apple and it's like, oh, I hit it with an apple and it fucking pulled out a guitar. Like, yeah, 
that's it's that, like that little bit of learning on every level makes it so much fun. And that's like, I think yeah. the biggest sort of way they expanded the game in some ways is giving you the extra glowy ball friend and the scan and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just like opens up a lot of ways uh, to interact. Th- th- I agree. Most of those features aside from the glowing ball were in the original. Um, but I think the biggest expansion is this research level thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you, uh, it was such a great idea to not just return to maps, but to level the maps up and upgrade them because when you research level when you raise the research level by gain, gaining enough experience from taking a, a x amount of photos mm-hmm. then new things start happening on these zones new yeah. interactions maybe sometimes even new pokemon and then you unlock the night versions where there's a whole other set of pokemon that are out <sighs> uh, and so all of a sudden you get really really invested in these maps in a much deeper way where you feel like you're like you're not upgrading your own person you're upgrading the zones yeah. and that's such a fun idea so you can get like I alternate routes too like I want to gush about how much I love the freaking night versions. Like what could have been like such a lazy idea is executed so perfectly and it makes total sense within the game. Um, and uh, I also just as an aside about the fluff fruits, I like how they because in the first game they were apples. So you were really hurting these Pokemon. But they had to say in this game, no, they're there. These they're fluff fluffy. fruits are light. You know, That's they don't so hurt funny. I didn't uh, I didn't make that connection at all. I just thought they were like, oh, we're trying to be creative with our fruit. Yeah. And I was like, whatever. <laughs> no, that's, no, that's a good point. They are. It's it is the, it is yeah, the fluffy funny. fruff. It's true. Um, and I'll, yeah, we're not also, chucking apples at Pokemon anymore. It's also yeah. funny to meet your old well, Pokemon am. Snap self. <laughs> Your old Pokemon Snap self, yeah. that blew my mind. When Todd shows up, it's like, hey, it's me, Todd. I take pictures in a dumb car, too. And yeah, and yeah my last name is Snap. <laughs> yeah, his name is Todd Snap? Which I forgot. That's I amazing. forgot his name is Todd Snap. Yeah. Uh, um, and he's kind of he's kind of a babe. Um, I but, lost uh, my virginity I, I, to a Todd Snap. Uh, that whoa. wasn't his real name, You're, though. <laughs> you're lucky you're lucky you got you got your twinks you got your yeah. bears you got your otters yeah, you got your todd, todd snaps. snaps yeah you're, you're todd yeah. snaps it's a whole it's a whole part of the lgbt community L- listen if you're talking about lgbt community but we have to talk about professor mirror <sighs> daddy daddy what a hunk. Uh, who 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 seems like a daddy, but also has a very sus relationship with that young girl. It's not um, there's grooming. A lot of complicated He's not a vibes groomer. Going on. He's not grooming. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. I'm. I just. I'm sensitive around islands now <laughs> these days. It's not. You know. It's not a little St. James thing, but it is a like unpaid research assistant thing. Like, yeah. it's definitely this girl is like doing so much bullshit intern work and getting paid in fluff fruits and like pictures of like Evie. It's exploitative for sure. That's um, actually the I, only reason why Alan Dershowitz went to Little St. James was to catch a rare Pokemon Go Pokemon. So, uh, you know, that's <laughs> that was his alibi. <laughs> the only way that I can get this uh, Zapdos. <laughs> uh, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was like, I, I was I went there 19 times looking for Mr. Mime. <laughs> Man, I would like um, to get up and miss mom. She would have been fine, I bet. <laughs> Where is Miss Mom? Yeah. That, that jinx uh, is, is a real hot piece of ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, is there a Miss Mine? And I bet that not your wife, I mean your very young daughter. Oh <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Bill Clinton. Uh, so you gotta quit it. <laughs> we gotta leave. Uh what I was gonna say. I did like I want to say this is one of the best games I played on the Switch. I, I do want to mention like my one kind of detraction and the thing that I think 
functionally is kind of pulling me out what is that it's the game a starts out with way too many tutorials i do respect the original pokemon snap just dropping you in and being like you know what a camera is mm -hmm. uh but like this game does put you through a few too many plotting tutorials at the beginning but then doesn't explain at all the the why i'm getting a four star or a three star or a two star or a one star in my photos mm -hmm. like i know there might be some light explanation but i fundamentally don't understand why something is rare and there doesn't seem to be that much of a a clear reason why mm -hmm. each time yeah you yeah. just sort of stumble it the first time i got a four star photo is because caterpie was doing a string shot and i said oh that looks cool and it turns out oh this is the best caterpie you can fucking get apparently Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got my first four star. Not my first, but one of my first four stars. I just threw an apple at an office on and it just freaked out at me and I got scared and pressed A. And then it was like a shitty picture. They're like four stars. It's freaking the fuck out. Yeah. It's a cool idea, but I'm constantly a little confused. I think it's like they should have instead of having it be a star system, it could be like an emotional state system. Yeah. Maybe you find them when they're angry, when they're peaceful. When they're in active mode, you know, like there could have been like that kind of system. And I think that that would really help me feel like I meaningfully understand what I'm missing when I want to complete this photo deck. You need to go uh, to the research station, actually. They have those descriptions uh, in them. Oh, really? Yeah. No, if you go into okay. the research mode and check your photo Pokedex, they actually do have this. Oh, this guy's just a little normal. And this is his little angry face. And this is his little. Uh, oh, they actually okay. they do have that feature but you're right it does not it holds your hand with everything except for that which is the most complicated and the newest part of the game right which is very funny yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, almost everything totally. else is like insanely intuitive and does not need a full tutorial but that kind of stuff mm -hmm. kind of could use a bit of a walkthrough and also i want to be able to pull up that can you pull up that photo decks just really quickly no. to know like okay and and that's the thing is like I want to be a completionist like I'm going to 100% this game um, but like you know in bug snacks when I'm in a zone I can quickly pull up my bug snacks pokedex and be like I need this this and this and I feel like I have to like remember what I'm looking for each time in, in the map and I wish I could just pull it up yeah yeah there are some that design is problems part of it. it's not like a totally perfect game but um, yeah, no, yeah, these, these are just like mechanics that would like enhance the thing, you know, yeah. um, but these are all like quality of life I mean. tweaking on the margins yeah. type notes as opposed to like the core game because the core game fucking bangs. It's just it's, like it's incredible. There's nothing not great. And it's like I, I have yet to. I like kind of like turn into like my dad on a road trip every time I play Pokemon Snap where I'm like going through. And I'm like, oh, look at that. Like, dude, that's neat. <laughs> like, look at that thing over there. And there's like yeah. never a level. I haven't yet to do a level even like my 95th time through the desert or whatever where I'm not like, ooh, didn't see that rock before. Oh, it's a little scorpion guy. Totally. I used to get stressed out in the first couple of zones and then I realized why let me just enjoy this because I will be replaying these zones. Yeah, you and have I was an like infinite amount of tries. Yeah, which is what's great yeah. about it. But in the beginning, you're like, ha, ah, ah, I got to go everywhere. And then I was like, no, no, like you're not going to get everything on this run. Like, just like get what you want. And going back to my Calvinism, you know, every time you repeat in your Calvinist cycle, every time the flat circle repeats in your life, every time you do it in your life, you're not going to get everything you want. So don't dwell. Don't dwell on regrets, you know? It's not worth it because you just got to finish until the rails finish and then you're going to get to do it again and you're going to get to see a different angle. Hmm. Do you think that they're ever going to get to 12,000 Pokemon and then they'll all go to heaven in place of people? <laughs> yeah, uh, they're going to. Yeah, 
No, the the other the other religion which has that as part of its precept is Jehovah's Witnesses, where only a limited amount of people get into heaven. I think that's so fun. I think that's such a that's such a miserableist like, uh, philosophy that I'm down with it. It's VIP. It's very like VIP. I, I like it. It's it's they they pre-ordered heaven. Um, well, that's Pokemon Snap. That's new Pokemon Snap. Sorry, um, a game that we are just going to continue enjoying, and we all three of us, I think, say buy this game immediately. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Uh, it's my, fantastic. Here's, here's here's my framework for recommending this game. I learned this today at work because I said it to my boss during a meeting because I am an idiot. Um, but I think if you smoke weed within one standard deviation of the amount that I smoke weed, you should buy Pokemon Snap for sixty dollars. Uh, if you don't, then you got to sorry, really, eight year old. You got to really think. <laughs> yeah, or you're a child. Um, if yes. you're an adult who smokes weed, either one <laughs> one Z score more or less than I do, you should really think about it. But if you're in like the general bell curve of adults who smoke weed, this is a perfect game yeah. to own. Mm-hmm. Like, I would recommend I, this to anyone, even to non weed smokers. Uh, I think even if you're if, even if you don't want to relax, there's still that, you know, constant getting your numbers yeah. up aspect to it, which, you know, I, I think um, this will develop a really competitive, uh, a really competitive scene uh, of people trying to get the best photos. And I'm very interested to see how that develops. I'm very interested to see how speed runs of this game develop, because. Uh, in order to level up, you're going to have to get the best photos. So that's going to be create a really interesting speed run situation. That's going to be yeah. really fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. And actually, yeah, you've hit on something that's very core to this and also core to Pokemon generally is that Pokemon as a series across the board is a game that can both appeal to like chill, having fun gamers and full on absolute homework doers. Uh, mm-hmm. Fr- Forrest, friend of the show, is like a check like checklist homework doing pokemon guy uh i am the opposite i was like having a fun adventure but both snap and the mainline games and snap and new pokemon snap as well let you either be a guy who's just vibing out taking pictures chilling or like a maniacal like i've got to find the three star image of Mankey in this cave and i'll do 57 runs until i get it and like anywhere (laughs) on that spectrum is applicable um Mm -hmm. and i think that's a that's a pretty impressive achievement that it can be like a homework doing game or like a chill time game or anything in between totally also mank should have been about manky i haven't watched it because i thought it was and i don't like fighting type pokemon just kidding i love fighting type pokemon that was a, a huge lie and i felt terrible as soon as i said it well, it was so lovely uh, to do this with you three, with you two, with us three. Mm-hmm. Um, You're also talking to Archer. Oh, yeah. Is there is there any plugs from our guest? Uh, just uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm at underscore Jack Dump underscore because the original Jack Dump name was already taken. Thank you. And um, follow my comics at houseofdecline.com. Uh, and that's also where our podcast is. And, uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. I, I really like to be very optimistic about games, uh, cause sometimes you don't always get that. Sometimes you can't always gush like this. And it's very nice to gush about like a really good piece of art with, uh, two good art enjoyers. Hey, thanks. And it's super fun to have you. And hopefully we can come on House of Decline again and just hassle yeah. you guys again. Oh, sometime yeah, soon. absolutely. I would like to have you guys on for like a, a Greenwald bashing episode. Uh, oh, like let's a do, huge Greenwald bashing episode. Let's do it because I'm a simp. Yeah. yeah, I've been trying to beat the beat the Greenwald simp out of Griffin for like a year. Oh, no, so. I, I, it was hard. I still love the guy, but it's like, you know, look what they did to my boy. Look yeah, what they I, did. He, in 2005, Greg Glenn Greenwald. I miss you so much. 
Uh, the scene in the Godfather where Greenwald supported the Iraq War. So let's slow down. Oh yeah, oh. you're right. <laughs> yeah, but we that. all did. Uh, Anyways, don't... cut the tape. Oh, uh, before, before Griffin incriminates his own childhood political beliefs. Um, uh, Griffin, do you have anything you want to plug? Because I got a couple things, but you should go first. Uh, yeah, just twitch.tv slash choom room now starting in the after choom 2 p.m. Pacific. We're trying out afternoons. Come hang out. It's going, it's going incredible. Yeah, no one could have figured out what you meant by after choom. <laughs> Indecipherable. It's so good you gave that Rosetta Stone at the end. Um, yeah, so my name is Lux. Um, and uh, I got a couple things to plug. I'm going to be on uh, our friend uh, Wizworld Live's show, Wizworld Live, or for their friend Frank, with our friend uh, Franco Ammonius, the wizard, um, this Friday to talk about wrestling. And then uh, there will be a PWR guide in this Saturday, which will contain wrestling. Um, and in the meantime, you should check out the new Wisecrack video on WandaVision, which was written by former uh, Game Boy's guest, Logan Reese, um, cool. that yeah. I directed. So a lot of cool stuff is happening, and you should check out all of it. And then obviously always check out twitch.tv slash Room and Griffin, and sometimes me. And definitely check out Add Eat Every Sound on Instagram and YouTube to see Haley, and also check her out on the Memory Static podcast. What a nuts. You just nailed it. Mm-hmm. You've never done it that well. I'll say it. 300 episodes. How many episodes? Who knows? I think 300. I, it's, it's because I said, I said, it's because I said my name is Lux at the top. And that really got me that in the is, zone. It got you in the fucking zone. <laughs> that's how I warmed up. In. That's, a, that's your winter soldier moment. Yeah, that's my Manchurian <laughs> candidate phrase is, is introducing myself, which is why I keep killing all these presidents. Um, all right, gang. Well, this was super fun. Uh, I'm going to kill this recording. Peace. Goodbye, Peace. friends. Bye.